Good morning, everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30. And, of course, that's time for the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy. First up, we have to welcome back Millie Ross. Good morning, Millie. Good morning, Pam. Lovely morning out there. After all that lovely soaking rain on Friday. It's oh, wasn't it great? balloons in the sky and looks like it'll be a cracker day to be in the garden. Fantastic. And um, up your way, have you, has it been very dry, Millie? Well, it's been, you know, we had over, I think, 70 millimetres in the day of the big storm in, in Melbourne. Um, but, you know, so really significant rain. But um, certainly, you know, you have a big rain like that, you get a fair bit in the ground. But a lot of it does end up, you know, running into our waterways and doing all those good things as well. Yep. So it's, it's definitely nice to get a bit of a, a you know, follow-up kind of 20 or 30 mil. Yep, mm. definitely. Mm. We also have to welcome back uh, John Arnott, who's manager of horticulture down at Cranbourne. Good morning, John. G'day, Pam. Millie, how you doing? Yeah, great. Good. Great, great. Hey, the rain was great this week. We, um, uh, a, a part of managing the conservation reserve at the Cranbourne Gardens, we do prescribed burns. Uh, and we did a prescribed burn on Thursday, and it rained Thursday night. Into Friday morning. Oh, it was fantastic. Great. Look, look, we pretty much had it out, um, but it's just a really nice way of finishing off a, a burn. Is, it is, is amazing to, is the, it down. the way burns work. I, know, I remember watching. Um being in the Northern Territory and driving sort of from Darwin down to Catherine and, and seeing these guys, it was about four in the afternoon and they literally were on the back of a ute with a flamethrower <laughs> shooting balls of fire oh. into the bush and you sort of think, oh, it's just like, it looks like the world's greatest job, A, but B, and, it, you know, just based on the, the way the, the night works there that they yeah. could burn late in the day Go and hard. then the, the dew and the moisture yeah. in the air would, would actually put that fire out yeah. sort, of, sort of overnight and, mm. and that was their system for yeah. burning. I just thought it was the most extraordinary thing I'd ever seen. I, I really enjoy uh, enjoy. Ch- 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 you can ch- say it. I, 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 it. It's a really it's a fantastic thing for the team to do. Like, like it brings the whole crew together. Yes. Um, on the fire ground. Yeah. Um, there's you know there's lots of planning, lots of, lots of logistics, but on the day, you're you're absolutely on. Um, I'm I'm. Sort of known as a bit of a specialist lighter these days, so that's. Uh, <laughs> so what do they call you? Yeah, yeah. 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 Just a, yeah. a, 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 a bit of fire starter comes no. up the. Uh, yeah, that's bit right. of prodigy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's with with a drip torch, you know, just um, working out the lighting pattern and all that sort of stuff. So yes. what are you burning there? You're burning is it the tea heat, tree scrub and the, the heat? heat? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, and and that's because you know fires are normal, natural mm. part of the ecology of you know, much of. Um, southeastern Australia, certainly at the top end, um, much of Australia. You know, there's the fire-adapted landscapes mm. that have evolved with, with fire. Yep. And what we're trying to do with the fire is to get that sort of pre-European patchy mosaic. It's called, the, the, the term is called pyrodiversity. Okay. So that's diversity, that's diversity of, fire. Of, of fire. Yeah. Um, and that's to try and create a... <coughs> Excuse me. A situation where there's areas that burnt last year, areas that burnt two years ago, ten years ago, areas that haven't burnt in living memory. Okay. Um, because you get really interesting responses with the flora to fire. So there's a bunch of species that immediately after fire are abundant, but twenty or thirty or forty years after fire drop out of the landscape. And conversely, there's a bunch of species that immediately after fire drop out of the landscape, but twenty or thirty or forty years post fire become abundant. Okay. Um, so we're trying to achieve all of those. That or it's called age class. Mm. Um, so we burn five, six percent of the site annually, okay. um, and we have an ecologist who's a very, very clever person who works out the 
where to burn and our heart to burn and whether we allow the fire to crown into the canopy or not or just be a cool sort or just of burn be a cool fire. little yep. trickling burn yeah yep. wow that yeah. is interesting it, it really fire is a really fire ecology is a really interesting thing and using fire as an ecological tool is mm. I remember it's y- fascinating. years ago um, speaking with s- the women who were running uh, a local plant nursery on the on the uh, I guess it was Bayside okay and they had um, through smoke germination started to reintroduce the pink apacris which had sort of that you know people couldn't get it yeah because it was picked out it was such a popular flower yeah people literally used to go and pick it and they they started having great success of getting more pink germination um when they were smoking and and they really worked that out because she said i can't say thanks to the little rat bags that burnt that heathland (laughs) you know because it was really it's in an urban setting and um but because you know occasionally you know some some things would would not happen that were meant to happen there and um and that you know that was where that really just started to create that diversity again and you know how you explain that yeah. I'm not sure yeah it's, but, um, it's extraordinary and and those Leptospermum lavagartum heathlands mm. like if you don't burn, burn a heath the Leptospermum lavagartum becomes the dominant thing yes yeah. and you just get these thickets of mm. it but um, a couple of those bayside burns mm. um, the, the peas and the little wildflowers and that came back that mm. hadn't, hadn't been sighted for a hundred years in some, yes. some yes. instances. And they're just waiting. Just, that's just waiting late into we have, the soil. Um, it won't go to air till I think we're putting it to air in Science Week, but we filmed a story with Josh Byrne and um, and uh, the scientist Kingsley Dixon oh, who worked with the team <laughs> who unlocked one of the secrets of smoke. And I think I'm trying to think what they've actually – they've named the hormone after the local Aboriginal um, they have community actually. in that area because they realised that they just kind of understand that stood smoke ecology yeah. uh, so closely. But yeah. yeah, he 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 was you know talking about all of those different triggers for flowering, triggers yeah. for germination, yep. triggers for all sorts of all things, sorts and of that things. some some plants. Without understanding that smoke ecology, there's plants in our nurseries that would never have found their way there. No, because we couldn't we couldn't get the seeds to germinate, to germinate until they worked out yep. worked out how it worked within you know using smoke as a tool. Yeah. and now you you can I think it's conostylus wouldn't wouldn't see a conostylus in the nursery if it wasn't for yep. for what they learned about smoke. And now you can, now you can buy the smoke water, so the water yes. the water mm. which is infused with the yeah. the, the, the smoky stuff. Mm. It, it was in, we, we used we had a, got a huge drum of this smoke. Um, water at the Cranbourne Gardens to help us propagate some some plants, uh, and it was it's a big gross really because it's what they use to flavour smoky barbecue flavoured stuff. Oh, <laughs> I hate smoke flavoured things. <laughs> it's kind of hideous. It's so it's this yeah. it's this liquid um, looks a little bit like uh, you know brown paint. Yes. Mm. <laughs> oh. And that's what you use. So you could just, in theory, you could just sprinkle some barbecue chips on your tray of seedlings and water them over. That's right. And you might actually, you get, might actually get some effect. germination. <laughs> oh, you know how much um, I love that. That smoky barbecue flavoured. Oh, dear. You've got a packet of shapes that are out of date. Don't put them in the compost. No. <laughs> That can be repurposed. It is. Fantastic. (laughs) I have to say, though, um, I was down at at Lawn over Easter and they were doing controlled burns there in the Otways. Um, The day we came home, I felt so sorry for the busloads of Japanese tourists coming down because the smoke had drifted so far across across the Great Ocean Road 
that yes. they'd lost all view. Oh, so true. all these tourists oh. coming down yeah. to, to travel around the yeah. Great Ocean Road and see this wonderful, v- you know. View our pristine <laughs> environment. Yes, they couldn't see a thing. <laughs> yeah, it keeps catching on fire and yeah, people get just, very panicked. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's the other thing too, though, that the panic of fire is is interesting. And I know um, friends of mine live up in the Box Iron Bark and, and yep. you know, suddenly the state is burning what I think they said they'll do t- 15% of the state or something. And, and you know, and the notice was the size of a $20 bill, you mm. know, stuck to a tree. And, yeah. and this is forest that, you know, it doesn't burn. It's no. not actually designed to burn. Those no. trees, yeah. uh, you know, it's a very low-fuel landscape. And, and long, long intervals between the burns. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so so panicking and, and burning things that don't need to yep. be burnt because there's a lot of things that are going on on, on the understory level that yep. perhaps aren't as adapted to, to fire. And if, yep. you, if you do burn at the wrong time, they, yep. they, they won't recover or they... You know, it might take another hundred years to recover. Yeah, it's an interesting thing because, yeah, it's a really complex issue. I mean, the whole uh, um, f- using fire to reduce fuel levels works, but gee, the intervals have to be close mm. because mm. You, you you have a fire and your, your fuel levels come back pretty quickly. Yes. Mm. So to, you know, you to you, using fire as a fuel reduction device. It's mm. it's not without its issues mm. ecologically mm. because the intervals have to be tight. You know, mm. every you know, I mean, five, seven, ten years rather than thirty, forty, fifty, seventy, yes, hundred years. Yes. Yeah. And fuel is habitat. You and know, fuel is that's habitat. the that's I brought in all sorts of fungi, um, yep. fungi, you know, pamphlets this morning because it's it's about to happen. It yeah. is with this rain, and yeah. I, I'm just thinking, you know, that that is that is the the other the counter. You know, yep. a little bit of grass and wood on the side of the road is actually yep. pretty good if you're a lizard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's yeah. yeah, that's right. It's hard. It's very. It's difficult. a really. It's very a really. Good, it's, a, yeah, it's a tricky one. Mm. It's a tricky one. So we were. We were um, I was going to say playing with fire. We don't play with fire. We um we burnt a little bit of the bush this week, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and had some lovely responsibly, rain very, very, responsibly, very responsibly, responsibly and very them, yes. and uh, perfectly timed. And perfectly, yeah, it was perfectly timed. Prodigy's fire starter will always be in my head when I, when I see you coming there. <laughs> we oh, must great. also welcome into the studio Lucille Strachan from Growing Friends of Royal Botanic Gardens, Melbourne. Morning, Lucille. Good morning, Pam. Good morning, everybody. Oh, you're gearing up for the big uh, sale we next certainly weekend. Are. We certainly are. Yes, we're all prepared. Wonderful. Every, everything's. Boxed up and ready to be moved. Yep. Back to the old site for the sale. Oh, good, good. Uh, so inside E-Gate uh, at the Botanic Gardens in Melbourne. And, yes, things have changed around the site because they've done some landscaping work there. But we are or should all fit in very nicely. And we've got loads of stock So because it's been a good growing season. And uh, we'll, yes, we're ready to go and ready to look forward to seeing everybody next weekend. Is the list online yet? Uh, it should be, but I'm not so sure. So you can start thumbing checked. through the... Uh, That's the, right, you know, what's available. Yeah, yep. prior, I wonder, you know, like a numbered priority system, that would be mine, like a one <laughs> next to the thing that you Must need to have. go find first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. And I noticed that it's free entry again, Lucille. Absolutely, yes. Wonderful. Uh, we we don't have any uh, conglomerations to work with um, for this sale. We'll be back at the Observatory Gate site in October for okay. the next sale uh, because that will be uh, a combined sale uh, with diggers and other nurseries. So, yes, that will be an, an entry paid one again. Right. But this one won't be. Okay. Yep. And all the profits Free are going to go 
totally back to the gardens. Indeed. Yes. Indeed they will. Wonderful. Fantastic. (laughs) Okay, that brings me to uh, a few more community announcements we need to get through. Uh, Firstly, uh, on today, the second day, is the Tesla's Gardening and Plant Expo, uh, running from 9am through to 4pm this afternoon. The address is 357 Monbulk Road in Sylvan. Um, Entry is $18, $15 concession or under-18s are free. Um, There's a whole uh, line-up of guest speakers there. There's lots and lots and lots of stalls um, selling plants from all sorts of uh, growers. Uh, So just a great day out there up uh, where they normally run their tulip festival. So Tesla's Gardening and Plants Expo on today, 9 through till 4. Also uh, on today, the second day of um, Open Gardens Victoria uh, Native Garden, which is Shirley Khan's garden. Now, um, Shirley has, uh, this is the fifth garden that she's actually created. Um, It's all using uh, Australian native plants. She's a plant collector, um, but she has a a really good eye for uh, landscaping. So the garden has a wonderful sense of place nestled in the Dandenongs uh, with a beautiful borrowed landscape of the bush and the hills in the distance. Now, uh, the address of that is 5 David Street in Monbolk. Uh, It's open today 10am through to 4.30pm. Entry $8, children under 18 are free, or students $5. Now, there will also be refreshments, plant sales, live music in the garden and representatives from the Australian Plant Society can help uh, visitors with plant ID. So uh, that's all taking place today as well. Now also, uh, a really interesting happening this afternoon, Mm -hmm. uh, something entitled uh, Echoes of the Past. Now this is being run by Friends of the Geelong Botanic Gardens and uh, it's a reopening of um, the uh, ladies' kiosk. Now, this is at Eastern Park, which is off Holt Road in Geelong. And uh, it's opening from 10.30 this morning through till 3 o'clock this afternoon. And the Friends of Geelong Botanic Gardens are hosting a free community event there to celebrate the refurbishment of the historic ladies' kiosk. Now, the event will um, host activities such as National Trust Heritage Games. Now, that sounds interesting. Musical (laughs) entertainment. Um including a ukulele band, uh, period costume competition, so everyone's encouraged to dress in their finest period costume. There'll be a guided walk, um, and special guest MC will be Colin Mockett. Now, you're encouraged to BYO picnic, drinks, rugs and chairs, though no alcohol permitted, and uh, that's all taking place uh, today, as I say, in Eastern Park, off Holt Road in Geelong, 10.30 through till 3. Do you know anything about the kiosk, John? Yeah, it's a beautiful um, – it's in Eastern Park. Yes. Um, been there for a long, long, long time. Uh, and the, the, what when I was director of the gardens, we were looking at potentially doing a restoration of, of it. So it's lovely okay. to hear that that's actually happened. Right. Yeah. Fantastic. But, yeah, lovely, lovely pavilion sitting – just sitting really nicely in Eastern Park. Do we know why it was called the Ladies' Pavilion? No, I was just trying to think about I'd love to know a bit more of yeah. the history of it. Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah okay. well, yeah. Perhaps one of our listeners might know and can ring up and tell us. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, fantastic. And 
All right. Uh, now, I have been mentioning um, Open Gardens Victoria. Now, coming up next weekend, they have two gardens opening. Uh, now, these are in the Ballarat region. Uh, the first one is Cameron House, which is at 514 Humphrey Street South in Golden Point in Ballarat. Now, Humphrey is spelt H-U-M-F-F-R-A-Y, so it's Humphrey Street South, Golden Point, Ballarat. Now, um, this, of course, is opening 10 through to 4.30, as they usually do. Uh, there'll be plants for sale at the garden opening as well. And uh, the other one that's opening nearby is Hillside Garden, which is at 21 Picton Street in Sebastopol. And uh, again, 10 till 4.30 next weekend, next Saturday and Sunday, 29th and 30th of April. Uh, this is a very steep uh, suburban block where they've uh, created numbers of tiers and boardwalks um, to uh, wander your way down through the slope. So uh, there will also be plants and floral art for sale at that one. And uh, our good friend Stephen Ryan is going to be giving a talk um, up at the soil, the soil Yard, which is at 426 Sutton Street in Delicom, uh, to tie in with these two garden openings. So you could do um, all three, visit both gardens and uh, go to his talk if you wanted to because they're all very close together. <clears throat> now, as usual, <clears throat> our good friends at uh, Open Gardens Victoria have given us uh, two free double passes, one for Hillside Garden, one for Cameron House, both for next weekend. So uh, if you'd like to wander up to the Ballarat region, there's plenty going on up there at the moment. I know there's a big, uh, there's a big um, botanical art exhibition on at the moment. Of course, there's Sovereign Hill and the Art Gallery of Ballarat, etc. So uh, if you'd like to win one of those uh, free double passes for next weekend, do give Jan a call now on nine four one nine zero one double five. That's nine. Four one nine zero one double five. Now, uh, just a couple more things that I should mention for next weekend. Uh, there's also going to be um, two Australian Plant Society autumn plant sales on next weekend. Uh, the first one is the Yarra Yarra Group. They have a native plant sale at uh, the Senior Citizens Centre, which is at 903 Main Road in Eltham. And uh, the other one is down on the Mornington Peninsula. That's the Mornington Peninsula Group. Um, again, uh, that one's 10 o'clock through till um, 3.30. And that's at Sea Winds, which is Arthur's Street State Park, Perves Road in Arthur's Seat. Melway's reference there is 159E12. So two Australian Native Plants Society um, uh, autumn sales happening on that one. And uh, just one other thing I really should mention, uh, and John, you will know all about this one, of course, Aussie, Backyard Aussie Trees. Next weekend. Next weekend, <clears throat> yes, yep. Sunday 30th of April, 9.30 till 4. Now, I'm hoping there's still, still tickets available for this. It will take place in the Australian Garden Auditorium down at... Uh, Cranbourne Gardens, which of course is on the corner of Bellato Road and Botanic Drive in Cranbourne. Mm -hmm. Melway's map reference there is 133G10. Now, it is an all-day workshop. Uh, cost uh, for 
Friends members is $65. Non-members, $70. Students, $30. And there's going to be a, a wonderful um, variety of presenters all looking at um, different uh, Australian native trees that we should consider for our growing in our own suburban backyards. Now, the details, bookings are essential for this one. Uh, now, to, uh, to book, you can go online to uh, the website, which is rbgfriendscranburn, all one word, .org.au, and click on events, then scroll down to Backyard Trees, or you can phone 97253569. So you do need to book to go to that one, but it should be a really wonderful day. Mm. Yeah, good array of speakers. Yes. And I think the um, the aim is to look at uh, trees which are not acacias and eucalypts. Yes. Yeah, That's so, all we think of, isn't <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. when we think of Australian <laughs> trees? Oh, there's other trees. There's a lot yeah, more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So it should be a wonderful day. Yep. All right. Um, it's more than high time we invited our listeners to join us. If you'd like to ask a gardening question this morning, we'd love to hear from you. That number is 94190155. That's nine. Four one nine zero one double five. Lucille, let's get back to the friends sale next weekend. Yes, as usual, a wide variety. Absolutely, yes. We'll have uh, we're well stocked with uh, succulents, uh, a variety of bromeliads. Uh, there's bulbs of all sorts. Uh, and some lovely, lovely flowering haymanthus coccinius at the moment too, nice. amongst the the collection. Uh, our trees, shrubs, uh, including our varia rhododendrons, camellias. Uh, there's a, of course a wide range of uh, perennials uh, and climbers. Some beautiful um, hanging baskets as well, and so there'll be stuff for or plants, I should say, for sun, for shade, for drier positions, for damper positions. So a full range of plants and all sorts, big and small. And even if you don't so have on. a large garden, you can take home a hanging basket. and Absolutely, yes. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. So the full range will be there next weekend. Yeah, just... And a group of friends there to give advice. <laughs> Absolutely, yes, we'll be there. And I'm sure some of the garden staff will also be there because they're very good in supporting us. Fantastic. Yeah. Just scrolling down the, the list, it's um, it's Oh, you found good, it. Yeah, it's, it's, it is <laughs> oh, online. Oh, yes, it's online. <coughs> it really is a good very, very, very impressive list of um, – it's And it, a it's wide a, variety of Australian natives too. Uh, yeah. and some mm. some pla- of them are, are unusual and uh, rare as well. Yeah, yeah. There's a bit, um, Have you got plants represented from both gardens or is it primarily things propagated from the, the, the Melbourne side? Oh, I suppose more from the Melbourne side, but sure. yeah, we do have a wide range of, of uh, Australian native plants. There. And some really yeah. interesting things. Mm. Have you seen over the years, Lucille? Have you seen the interest in what people want when they turn up? Change is it? Yes, they probably have. Admittedly, I'm I tend to be more or less in in the perennial section, mm. uh, but yes, I'm sure if you spoke to others who'd worked in others sections over a long period of time, they would probably say so. Because, mm. you know, things change over the years. And, mm. of course, it always fascinates us how fashions can change yeah. and how things that you'll happily sell uh, in one six-month period, you, nobody wants the next mm. and so mm. on. So, you know, and it's very hard to judge. What do we course. reckon's on trend at the moment? Well, <laughs> do you know, if, touching on all of the things we've talked about, what, what mm. I brought in to talk about this morning um, is linked to Australian trees, is yep. linked yeah. to trends, is actually 
um, some plants that I'm trialling indoors because the Fantastic. indoor garden yes. is, yeah. and you know, Jane Edmondson, just watching her chuckle about this, that you know, that it's, she's like, it's like 1984 all over again. But <laughs> you know, it is, it is great yeah. that that young younger gardeners yes. seem to be really, really drawn to having a go at growing things inside. Yes. And well, particularly if they've got no room outside or not much room sure. if they're in absolutely. apartments and flats and stuff. And, yeah. and while I see lots of people selling, promoting and, and, and being interested in, in some of the plants mm. that perhaps are like truly tropical species because mm. people are like, oh, I want to try a few different things. Mm. For me, those plants, I mean, I think indoor plants are often just a plant in slow decline. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I just think yeah. we should be looking a little bit to our native flora. So mm. a couple yes. of things that I grabbed tubes of, I was, I was buying tube stock t- to do a hedge at the front of my house, mm. but I sort of had a look in the rainforest section um, up at Goldfields. And, you know, I, I've come around with a, a cat. Cowry, mm. like you know, this mm, is yeah. a this is a ginormous plant in the garden, but mm. I think it actually is likely to do quite well. It, they a, do well, yeah, in a in a brightly lit room. And the other thing that I grabbed was um, a Stenocarpus, which is the firewheel tree. And again, yep. mm. one of the most tremendous sort of foliage, unusual foliage plant. And for mm. me, it's lovely tall habit. You know, a, a great great way to to try and um, to to kind of use a bit of space inside but sure. not have to be a low bushy thing. Sure. And the other thing which Pam I have to make you eat because we've all been eating them right. and you have to talk all the time. <laughs> but the other thing is something that I got I got some seed of um, when I you know the luck of wandering around some big special gardeners with gardens with the gardeners and actually picked up a whole lot of bunion nuts the other day. So I'm going to try and germinate some right. for the potential of indoor plants, yeah. you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, but also they are aren't they delicious? Wow. I cooked, yeah. So I cooked they these up yesterday. Nice. Yeah. Taking, I know they are like we all we mm. all looked at each other. <laughs> they are they're all right. They they're are good. absolutely delicious. Yeah. I mean they are what the size of a how do you even describe that? That's a, a really date? yeah, about the size of a date, <laughs> date, and and just a fantastic. There's more. You can have another one. <laughs> um, so I cooked up most of them, and I've saved a few to what germinate. What was your preparation again, for so, them when you cooked them? Well, I I peeled them. A lot of people say to boil them up. So when you get them, I've got some that are just the kernels. So obviously the bunya the bunya nut mm. and the gardens had the fencing yeah. around them. I think a couple of weeks ago they've they've well, I, I think wonder. they've fruited really you, well. Well, yes. not fruited, yeah. but they've produced a lot of cones oh, this year. Yeah. And um, being a a big conifer, and the cone that that I I um, met at Ripon Lee Gardens because it's next to the ABC. I was walking around, and you know it was probably it's the size of a bowling ball. I mean, yeah. it can kill a person. Oh yeah. So they had it all <laughs> taped off. But I just picked most of these. I picked up on the mm. on the ground mm. um, because Attica, the restaurant Attica, actually uses most of Ripon Lee's bunions. Right, yes. of course. Um, and now I see why. I mean, that is an yeah. extraordinary food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they, they've they've been really really um, precocious this year. They've produced yeah. a lot of, yeah. of cones, and um, so a lot of people actually boil the kernel. Once you pull it out of the pine cone, mm-hmm. you get like a pine nut. Mm-hmm. Um, and and but I actually split them first. My friend helped me. We just sort of peeled them peeled the outer shell out, and then I just boiled them for right. about okay. twenty minutes. I've done a pesto, mm-hmm. so I've already pestoed some with the okay. basil, <laughs> yeah. and then I ate a few. Fantastic. Like, but I think I'll roast some this roast, afternoon yeah. with a bit of salt. And yeah. Oh yeah, they'll just be sensational. Yeah. But yeah. You know, again, just mucking around with the idea that what's on trend, okay, that's trendy that you can go and buy these plants, but what can you actually grow that's just in your backyard mm. or is in our flora? And I think some of us, the rainforest trees mm. are fantastic indoor plants. Often because, um, unlike we were talking earlier about the heathland species, the, the, the seed is stored on mm. the ground. Rainforest seed doesn't store for very long, mm. so it's got a very short life. So what will happen in the ecology of rainforest systems is the seed germinates. Mm. And they sit as suppressed seedlings on the forest floor. For 
decades, decades yeah. until yeah. there's yeah. a crack in the canopy and mm. yeah. and then, then it's the, the race do. to the light. Mm. Um, so completely, many, many rainforest plants have completely adapted as seedlings just sit in very, very, very low Staying in the same pod, the not same doing pod. much. I mean, not being vivacious growers, not but yet. yeah, but just sort of T- sitting and having over. lovely foliage. And if you don't overwater it, yep. you'll be right. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like suspended animation. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. so that, it makes them absolutely well-suited mm. to, to low-light conditions of growing inside. Mm. Yeah. Oh, well, Port Mac have also, also bought a, a scissors. Um, the kangaroo vine, yeah, right. which I'm trying up in a, a ladder, and I know I'm going to let it down. I know no. it. I'll, I'll forget to water it. <laughs> That's but it's a there. monster plan. Well, it's well, they all in are. My lounge room. Yeah, but it's not you in know? your lounge room. No. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah. And in you know, in the cold climate as well. I mean, the heat is on and off. And yeah. I've actually found the aspidistras, which I've had for many years, don't like it there. No. You know, because it's quite breezy in the house when the doors open or the yeah. heat is on, and you know, they've all gone on. Oh, this is ridiculous. Oh, this is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been fine for 15 years, yeah. but I've, no. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it is – it is, and I muck around, you know, because I'm in such a cold climate now, I'm going to have to bring a lot of my pot plants on, my mm. euphorbia, milli yeah. eyes, you know, I've got huge collections of them. They're going to have to come inside. Come inside yes. yeah. So they'll come inside now. They've been out, you know, flowering and looking gorgeous over summer. They're going to yep. come inside now into the little workroom and yep. um, it becomes quite a – Quite a quite a tight space <laughs> in winter in my tiny house. We um, we had you a need ro- an orangery. Oh, well, I'm That's thinking a version of an orangery, yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah. it'll more likely just be a little space between the house and the studio, <laughs> which is made of windows. We, orangery, but I'll call it the orangery. We, we had a rhododendron lockyer, one of the native rhododendrons mm. with, that was an indoor plant. For one many, of many or the years. only one. Uh, one of one of yeah, oh, mm. that's interesting. All right, that's another yeah. Note that down for next yeah. time. No, there's a, there's a second species. The, 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 yeah, there's a couple of species. Yes, Fantastic. Of, of native rhododendrons, but that wonderful indoor plant. Mm. Um, and there's a thing which is really closely related to it called uh, Acapetes, which is another oh, wonderful yes. indoor plant. Mm. Yeah, okay. um, and uh, and there's all the Australian palms. Which yes. are which are yes. you know kentios and, yes. and mm. bangalow palms and mm. walking stick palms and all those palms are also fantastic. Really suited, yeah, really yeah, suited it, to it my is, light. It is interesting because it's kind of the I think that the trend at the moment is is there, but I feel like it'll come over here if I can start waving some nice rainforest trees at yeah. people. I'll drag them over. Yeah, and yeah, watch. yeah, absolutely. Well, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> done. Print it. <laughs> That's a story. But I have to. I keep talking about filming a story on on indoor plants and growing your own indoor plants because I've grown you know avocados and I'll do. The bunyas and sweet potatoes and all sorts of things inside, but um, it's it's more of a warm warm season. Some of them are almost like annuals, you yeah, know, sure. that you yep. you sort of get them happening in the warmer months, and then they they get very upset in the cooler months. And <laughs> so just go to that workroom and stay there until they look good again. Yeah. It's like other things in the garden, you know. I think mm. we demand a lot of our plants indoors, probably. We do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yes, yep. we do definitely. <clears throat> now, uh, something I should mention. Um, 3CR is all about serving the community and at the moment we want to know your thoughts, comments and ideas to help shape the future of 3CR. We're currently asking listeners to take part in a short online survey that will help us get to know you better. Now the results of this survey will assist us in continuing to be the best possible station we can be in service of our valued community. Now to have your voice heard... Uh, you go to 3cr.org.au forward slash survey and fill out the survey. Or for those who don't have the internet, if you call the station during business hours on 9 
419-8377. That survey can be conducted over the phone. But we'd love to to get your comments and thoughts for how you'd like to see uh, 3CR developing in the future. As I say, we are a community radio station, so we're here specifically for you, the community, to give a voice, particularly to... um, Groups who don't normally get a voice in mainstream media. Now, the survey closes on the 28th of April, so you don't have very much longer to uh, complete the survey, but we do, um, we do really ask um, our listeners if they would do the survey because it's going to be of enormous help in us uh, working out uh, our direction for the next, uh, well, 10 or more years. Now, if you have any questions about the survey... You can uh, talk to Juliet Fox. You can contact her, uh, projects at 3cr.org.au. But as I say, if you want to do the survey online, it's 3cr.org.au forward slash survey or else phone the station during business hours on 94198377. Okay, um, you've, I presume, Cranburn, you have to do regular. Um, Future planning, for yeah. want of a better <clears throat> terminology. Indeed. Um, on, on your directions, where you see it going, what, you know, wish lists. Yep. And, um, in fact, I think you did a big one a few years ago, didn't you? Yeah. So, I mean, that, that forward-looking um, thing happens. Uh, well, we've undertaken a, a review of the master plan, which was the, mm. sort of the, the big underarching uh, document, which we completed last year. Um, and that really sets in train, you know, the, the, the projects and the direction for the, for the for the gardens generally. But the nice thing that we're doing on a on a garden level is, um, you know, we installed the garden to Taylor Cullity Leflin and Paul Thompson's specifications, um, and uh, we're at a phase of the garden now where we're establishing, um, you know, when we completed the garden when when it opened, we really just started um, started the garden. Yes. But for the Australian Gardens made up of 21 individual precincts uh, and we're going through precinct by precinct and doing what we're calling curatorial management plans for each of the precincts. Mm-hmm. So that's looking at, at setting um, some really interesting... It's, it's looking at the original intent from Talakalanti Left Lane and checking in to see whether that's still resonating um, organisationally mm-hmm. and then setting a series of objectives, so landscape objectives, horticultural objectives... Um, information, art, interpretation, objectives, scientific obje- objectives. Oh, it seems to me that the, I guess the the intention of a garden like Cranbourne would perhaps not change ever because it's really just to, you know, the big picture is engaging people with the flora. But, and telling that story. But talking about trends and, and what people are interested in, what people need, like where our knowledge is at yep. as, a, as a gardening society. Yep. You know, that's the stuff that shifts, isn't it? And what, uh, what you need to do. Exactly. You know? It's the evolution of the idea. Mm. But you walk into the, the, the Cranbourne Gardens in 50 years' time and you'll, the first thing you'll see is a big red space. Mm, mm. You know, the, the, the bones of the garden, the story, that's, that narrative will, will, will be there in perpetuity. Mm. The plants that we use to, to illustrate the themes, dynamic as, as, mm. as all get out. There's species coming into cultivation all the time yeah. that we haven't had to use before, aren't yeah. yeah. There's a really nice project in Prospect which is looking at, at um, the threatened flora of Victoria, bringing some of the, the, the rare plants that are in, in our flora, uh, bringing them into cultivation and assessing their horticultural potential. Mm-hmm. That's, so we'll be doing some of that work um, 
uh, over the next couple of years uh, in, in concert with establishing a collection of rare and threatened plants in a number of regional botanic gardens across the state. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. great. So, yeah, so there's a whole kind of untapped resource with the indigenous flora and the, and the native flora, um, particularly with the rare things. Mm. Um, so, yeah, bringing some of those into cultivation is really interesting. It's, mm. it's fantastic work. Mm. I love my job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we're really in a, a privileged position, aren't we, to, oh, yeah. to work in the public realm like definitely, this? Definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Okay, we're going to go to our first caller, and we have uh, David, who's down in Summers. Good morning, David. Oh, good morning, team. I, we have a, an old banks here, uh, coastal banks here, which um, throws a lot of seedlings to come up through the garden. And if they come up in the right spot, we leave them, and if they come up in the wrong spot, we move them. Now, a couple of years ago, we moved a couple of them to towards the back of the block and they're growing at an angle and I, the first one last year I trimmed off the top hoping that it would um, uh, straighten itself up um, and one of the shoots that came off has gone across at an angle and a couple of them have gone straight up but one of them uh, which I haven't trimmed yet I thought a better option might have been to have staked it vertical it's got two branches and they're, they're almost horizontal at the moment. It's only about um, it's about five foot high, and by the time it gets to the top, they're almost horizontal. So, should I pull it back and stake it, or should maybe I chop it off? Or if I leave it, do you think it might straighten of its own accord? Banksy is a, a really great at resprouting, um, so you yes. could you could chop it off at even the base. Um, and it would it would it would thicken up and 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 likely straighten up if if you if you if you, if you, you, you know coppiced it, which yes. is you know pruning really hard almost to the ground. Now, I think I'd be doing that rather than staking. Yes, well, of course that's um, I, I would prefer to coppice it um, if you think it would be successful. Yeah, no, uh, Banksy's Banksy integrifolia should coppice nicely. All right, thanks P- very much. Particularly as a as a young as a younger plant. Right, we've also got a stringy bark that we got from the nursery in a tube a few years ago, and it's decided to lean over as well. It must be the environment down here. Prevailing yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> breeze, is it? Like, yes. It's is a, it? Bit like, a bit like myself. Um, <laughs> and I wondered, but with the um, uh, with the stringy bark, do you think I sh- could chop the top of that off? It might shoot back upwards? Yeah. Or, or are they different? Yeah, they're Different in, in in as much as with with trees, you you actually don't want numerous branches arising from the no, same no. same thing. That's yeah, right. um, so no, I'd be I'd be less inclined to. I mean, they'll grow back, um, but those um, it, it forces epicormic growth, and the with tr- those that with a stringy bark, those epicormic growths are ultimately going to be big boughs. Um, ah, and, and that okay. u- that union is is not very strong, so. I see. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'd be less inclined to to coppice the stringy. Well, well should I stake it then? Um, is it is it leaning there. is it leaning it against the prevailing wind? No, it's fairly sheltered there. Actually, okay. it's just in the middle of the front yard. It's um, it's just got a bit of a lean at the top, and I thought, well, 
looking at the banks is I wondered if it was going to get to a point where it was horizontal. Yeah, right. I mean, you could you, you could certainly stake the stringy bark. I think the important thing with staking is the, that the the trunk has got the capacity to, to continue to move. To, to move rather than yeah, be rigid. I realise that yeah. it needs to move to strengthen. So yeah, well staked, they'd be fine. I didn't, I didn't embrace the uh, leaning nature of the garden myself. I think the coastal bacteria makes a fantastic bonsai, if you've ever seen it. You know, and that, that fantastic form they can have in the wind. Gnarly. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I'd, I'd give oh, up look, and enhance it. Oh, look, look, I, look, I agree with you entirely. And, and they're absolutely beautiful trees when they get these strange angles and things like yeah. that. Um, I was just um, a, bit, a bit concerned about the fact that it's growing right towards the shed. Um, and uh, I just thought it might have been nice to have got it going up straight um, along with the others and trying to create a bit of an urban forest. Yeah, nice. Mm. Nice. And, and, and you mentioned that you no. transplanted them, um, and they, 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 they transplanted okay. Oh, yes. I'd say we actually transplanted them from our block in Chelt right. brought them down here. Okay. But we've, I suppose we've moved about 30 or more so far, mm. and they've all taken... Well done. Uh, well, my wife... Uh, it's got the green thumbs. Right. <laughs> mine, mine more red. <laughs> <laughs> However, uh, look, no, they've all... Um, the, the banks itself, the old one's probably 60 or 70 years old. Mm. Uh, and they've all taken... And they've all ended up different shapes. And were they just those small seedlings, David, when you transplant them? Well, they them? come up... My wife normally transplant them, transplants them when they're about an inch high. Okay, oh, that's... And, yeah, yeah, great. They've, yeah. they've just got a few leaves. Yeah, good. And she puts them in a pot and then she pops them up about twice and then we put them back in the ground. Yeah, excellent. That's perfect technique. On the other hand, the ones that come up in the right spot, we just put a closure around and they seem pretty happy. And the enclosure is for the bunnies or have you got wallabies down there? Against either people treading on it or the the rabbits. But down in summers, we've closed them because of the rabbits. They Mm. they tend to ring bark them. Yes, Mm. they do. Yeah. Mm. And the rabbits, it's just a plague here. Mm. Yeah, seriously, you go out in the morning and, and you, you'll see a dozen running in different directions. Mm. Yes, mm. yes, I know the feeling. <laughs> I've got them at my place. <laughs> yeah, still, you know, you've got to live with them. We've got them. That's right, that's right. All right, thanks for your help. Okay, good on you, David. Bye. See you, bye. Next up, we have uh, Jill, who's in East Brighton. Good morning, Jill. Good morning, panel. Good um Yes, I'm hoping you can help me. I've got a terrible infestation of some kind of variety, I think, of sawfly larvae. Mm. Yep. I must have thousands of caterpillars. They have stripped Ooh. my 20-year-old calistamine hedge. There is not a leaf. Oh, good. And now they're moving out into the rest of the garden. Heaven. I'm assuming they're kind of sawfly. They don't clump together like that. Yep. But they wave their bums in the air when, they're, when you approach. Yep. And they just up with disgusting, horrible-looking things, and they're now mm. crawling up the windows of the house. Oh, oh Jill. They're coming for you, Jill. It's like something out of the birds, but, you know. Hopefully the birds will come and take care of it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I feel awful that I didn't, you know, see them. The, the hedge is on the side of the house. We're in a court where we don't go around sort of, you know, on the far side of, the, of when we're coming into the house or the garden. Mm. We, You know, we... we um, so it's just it's been a barrier between us and some, and some units next door, and it was mm. actually one of the the ladies in the units that alerted me. Uh, but when I looked at it, I was just appealed. It just looks dead. Um, mm. It's that a, that the kind of the boom and bust mm. um, with with those sawfly. The yes. the, the good thing yeah. is that those calistomas have evolved 
because the sawfly is actually a native um, yes. moth. Mm. Yes, uh, I know. Uh, mm. Wasp. Well, I think wasp. Sawfly. Sawfly uh, wasp. Beamick, maybe. Yes. Equals wasp. Yeah, I'll I check. Um, anyway, it, it's a it's a, a native invertebrate, and the the calistamins, the calistamin should come back from that. Um, I hope so. Yes. Yeah. And, but is there anything I can do to get rid of them? I mean, the hedge is five metres high and about seven metres long. Um, and, um, you know, I, I yes, I just sort of thinking, well, the spraying, I could do it, you know, because I've got a, one of those, you know, ones you pump up yourself. Yep. If there's something that I could get, and hopefully something that's not too toxic. I don't want to kill everything else, but... but uh, you know, the hedges just seems to be in such dire straits, and as I said, they seem to be spreading out. And I've got you know, other natives. Is there anything left on the? To spread to them. Is there any? Is there anything left on the clistamen to warrant spraying? Um, well, there's thousands of caterpillars. Yeah, but it's <laughs> apart from that, there's, 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 there's the odd leaf here and there. Mm. Yeah, uh, but on one of them anyway. I'm just looking out the window now, um, around the back there, and. Yeah, some of them seem completely stripped. I'd suggest that the sawflies are really, really close to being at full, at fully grown now. Uh, mm. Well, some of them are quite small. Are they? Mm. Yeah, but the weather, so sizes. it is a tricky one. So the weather will probably slow them right down. I'm not sure what their life cycle is with regards to whether those tiny ones will actually um, reach maturity. Yep. But they're actually they're not a wasp because they lack a wasp waist. Okay. Isn't that interesting? Okay. So the separation, they, you know, put a belt on them they would be. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I'll sub, sub-order the, the sawflies. Okay. But, but, yeah, I mean, I, I'm always inclined, and I had a really similar thing the other day I was walking through. I've got a little kinoto. It's it's different in that it's it's one plant, but a little kinoto, you know, with three stems and ten cat caterpillars on it yep. mm-hmm. and you know big think mm. as your little finger ooh. caterpillar but I've got to admit my immediate reaction was oh ooh, go and get mm. the book and work out what butterfly it was turns out it's the dainty swallowtail right. native butterfly yep. oh. feeds on that on citrus yep. you know so I immediately mm. thought oh well we'll we'll cope yes, <laughs> you I'm, know I'm, I'm with you on that but this this I've got other calistamins I've got um other things in the garden, I, you know, eucalypts and yeah. so on. I just don't. I would want say them. if they're physically on your house, Jill, you could physically clean them up. There'd be nothing no, no, wrong no, no. There's, with there's, sweeping them they're off. They're all over the hedge, which is yep. five meters high. And water. And, and water, like physically knocking them over a bit will, mm. you know, so they hit the ground, like literally squirting them with a hose. Yep. And then I'd say you're going to need to support those plants really well. And in spring, you should see a really, really rebound bit of growth. And I prune relatively hard, actually, to, yep. in, to encourage that. But. Um, yeah, unless you could, of course, you could spray all of those caterpillars with a chemical, but or or even dipel. just something. Yeah, dipel mm-hmm. one of those one of those really low tox. Um, look, look, yes, I'm yes. Yes, which would which would knock them. Neem is another one that can sort of it can um, disrupt the shedding and the development of those caterpillars. So that's quite effective, and they'll continue to feed for a few days after you spray them with that. But then they they actually drop off. But whether or not you need to to save those plants. I think the plants will recover regardless if you can support them. I'm more concerned about yeah. them spreading now that they've eaten themselves out of house and home on the And they're on and the they move, yeah. through the rest of the garden now. Mm. I, have, I haven't seen great signs of attack 
Mm. Yes, yep. on that, other things. But perhaps I think just that, target your defence then on those plants that yeah. haven't been attacked yet and yep. you could, you know, let the rest of them... The trouble is we're going away for a month. <laughs> oh, well, I would say the garden will still be there when you get back, Jill. Don't worry too much. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. Of course, the people in the unit are saying, the hedge has died, we want to have it out, replace it with a fence. Oh, no, 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 tell no, them to no. be shush. Yeah. But uh, when when are you going away, Jill? Have you got a in a week? In a week, I'd yeah. go out daily. With, I'd go out daily with your hose yeah. and just aggressively squirt them. Oh, sorry, squirt them. Uh, falling onto the ground. They're just going to take off looking for pastures new, aren't they? I mean, do I have to go then and squash them all? Oh, it's pretty gross, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, I can do it with slugs and snails. I put my gum boots on, but you know, uh, nature, you know, sort of brutal, but. Oh, that many caterpillars. Ooh. Didn't you say you can come into a part of the house where you don't actually have to see it? <laughs> <laughs> you could just do that for six weeks, Jill. Yes, I could. Yes. Put on very dark Deal with it in late winter when you're pruning. <laughs> yes, but, but as I said, looking out the window and there they are on the glass. Yeah. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. It is amazing. Oh, you know, that boom and bust, as you say, John, some years. Mm. I mean, I can't. how many times on this program have you had a period of time where you get you know, mm. dozens of calls over three or four weeks about a particular the insect, and then we yes. don't hear about it again for, for years, for three sometimes. or four years yeah. or longer. Yeah. You know, yeah. yes. so a lot depends on the conditions, yeah. doesn't it? That's yep. right. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I'm hoping that's the case. But as I said, you know, I just don't want them. I've got other calistamins, as I said, mm. and um, you could you spray. Know, you know, perhaps spraying those other plants with something like dipel or neem mm. yep. to support mm. them, um, so that they don't get if they're smaller plants. Yep. Or, yeah, and then. Um, just using the old ho- hose method um, for on the, the hedge. hedge. Yeah. So that yes. call out your insurance policy. Maybe get some dipel and spray the mm. the clismas, which are proximate. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Look, that sounds that's more manageable. Look, thanks very much for that. I'll I'll do that. Good and, luck. Uh, fingers crossed. Yes. Absolutely. Don't come back after we've been away and find just a bunch of sticks in the garden. Give us a call when you come back from holidays. Let's yes. know what, yeah, what happens. <laughs> yes, hopefully they'll be gone. But take, oh. take the next instalment. Do you think yeah, people yeah. ever... Uh... Okay, thanks, Jill. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye. Do you think people ever change their holiday plans for the garden? I know I've come back early from being overseas or something or, you know, when I know, you know, I'll come back then because I know that the weather will heat up and I need to be You around. need to tend, tend <laughs> yeah. to the garden. But I reckon mm. it's probably... T- I'd like to hear if anyone's ever changed major plans. No, I'm not going to that wedding. <laughs> <laughs> That's about to flower. I've been waiting for it to flower for four years. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, you, the garden is important, isn't it? It's oh. such an important thing. We're, we're saying earlier, we're... Um, about to sell our family house, which is huge. Yeah. Um, and there's, you know, the house is bricks and mortar, but there's things in the garden that, that mm. I'm starting to get a bit emotional yes. <laughs> think, thinking yes, about leaving some right. things in the garden. That's right. Yeah. Can you propagate them yeah. Yeah. from there? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And there's a few things we'll have a crack at transplanting mm. and digging yeah. up. Yeah. And, you know, a few, a few very, year, yeah, that's right. Mm. A few very special things that we're going to try yeah. and hold on to. Fair enough. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay, it looks like we've got a few sawfly solutions that have come Great. in. Oh, fantastic. Firstly, Michael's phoned in to say that garlic spray might be uh, helpful on the sawfly. But we've also got uh, Bridie down in Frankston online about them. Good morning, Bridie. Oh, good morning. How are you? Good. good. What's your solution? Oh, look, I've been looking into this because I've had come across a couple of trees that have been absolutely decimated by sawfly. Um, mm. And the best way... I've come up with dealing with them is you, you can hose them off and then squash them if you're really, you know, that way inclined. Um, but <laughs> apparently Vengeance. they pupate in the soil and if you 
Um, just, I'm not sure how deep because I haven't quite got that far in my research yet, but if you disturb the soil over winter, you can actually reduce the numbers that will come back next year. Okay. So it's not really a solution for this year, but yeah, might. It's a preventative. Yeah. So yeah. just using a garden fork or something maybe just to loosen yeah, as opposed maybe. to cultivating under a plant? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, apparently they just drop off and pupate, pupate in, the... In, in the soil under that particular plant. There you I might go. suggest a couple right. of uh, reckless chickens in there for a... Oh, that would, yeah, that for, would be that carnage. Would for a couple of days, well, well, but yeah. also um, that would be sort that out. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, that's great. Oh, Thanks, that's great. Heidi. No worries, thank you. Bye. It is also, you know, it's always interesting to think about that life cycle, isn't it? Like mm. really and, and, you know, about when you target a pest, uh, the amount of times that you, you get someone who's really, you can hear that, that the, what they're doing is just so mistimed yep. and completely therefore ineffective. Yep. And even something like a dipel, which is a bacteria, mm. yeah. you know, there's, there's no point doing it once they're what? pupating, you know, oh, like they, you, oh. you really need to know when they're vulnerable yep. and, and when you can target them and if you need to target them. That is the big one, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's right. We've got to learn, you know, the moths and butterflies don't exist without caterpillars. Yeah. No. So, <laughs> you know, as, as much as in a, in a gardener's head you sort of see something chewing a leaf and you, you often reach for a solution. Mm. And sometimes I find I squish something before I even think about it. Yeah. Mm. And then other times I stop and go, oh, hang on. I need to just think about who you Identification are, what you're doing. Identification is really important. What oh, you're is. doing. Yeah, is. It, it is. It's critical. Yes. What the likely yeah. damage is that you will do. So, exactly. for example, with that caterpillar, I'm looking at the caterpillars on my citrus and knowing that the weather's about to get very cold, they're going to stop feeding. Yes. So I know mm. most of those little caterpillars will be bird food. Yep. You know, they're not necessarily going to make it through to maturity. That's but right. It's still just an interesting thing to... Mm. It, yep. is. it is. It yeah. is. Definitely. Yeah. And the, you know, the default to pesticides, you know, many pesticides are the amount of off-target mm-hmm. um, uh, damage that you can do mm. because they don't make a distinction between the pest that you're trying to kill and maybe some of the beneficial Exactly, yeah. so you change the whole ecology yeah. of the garden. Well, you, you make a greenfield site for it to be yeah. recolonised by yeah. the pests. Exactly. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Ah, yeah. yes, just clear the way. Yeah. Yeah. I, felt, I, was, I was showing John uh, before, Pam, uh, this um, this great little guide. So I've got all these great little flip-out guides. It's a guides, beautiful brochure. Yeah. Which are all the fungi of different places that I've picked up um, and, you know, fungi of the surf coast and fungi of the, of the, of the wombat forest, which are little fold-out guides. But someone put this in my hands... Um, this, this fantastic lady, Karen uh, Retro, I think her name is, who's involved up around, um, up, up around the sort of n- southwest of New South Wales and northeast Victoria, so up on the granite belt and, and around there. And um, it's the pollinator insects that you'll find in your garden. It's this great little oh, flip-out guide. You know, you mm. look at – and, you know, we, we, we all know about the bees. Mm. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I noticed up there there's a question about – Nancy would like to know if Aspidistra's flower. And – Extraordinarily, they do not yes. very often, and yes. apparently the They've flower done it is in a, the nursery. It's a, yeah, it's a basal flower yes. because the pollinator is a slug or a snail, yes. you yes. know. Yes. So yes. you think yes. we yes. think yes. about yeah, yes. absolutely fascinating. The yes. flowers are really very interesting to look at as well because we've had them flower in the nursery. And, and did they do it all at once, or was it a oh, some pots did it, or some pots did it? Okay, yes. yeah. Um, haven't seen any for a while, but it's, it's not. In, in my area, so uh, but yes, we were somebody noticed them flowering, and we were showing them all. And yes, that we were told that slugs uh, do the pollinating. And Fantastic. so, interestingly, you know, you wouldn't see them often because when we say no, it's basal, no, it's down no. in amongst the. It's right on ground level. Yes, 
Yep. And right a, on a kind of an unusual looking oh. thing. I've never seen it, but it's I would like love a to see it. It's flannel flower, yes, ah. a, if you yeah. like. Like a, a sort of deep, rich, pink-coloured flower yep. flower? Yes. Or yes. Yep. yes. Yeah, it's quite extraordinary. Very and unusual. It, yeah, yeah, so if, if uh, yes, they will flower, but I can never tell you. you they may never. I don't remember. Yes. When, and, of course, very easy to miss. Yes. Very yes. easy to miss, yeah. 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 There's Unlike a, the stapelia that started flowering in my garden the other yeah, week, no, and I kept walking past thinking, what, what is that rotten, stinking? I did have a load of seaweed, and then finally oh. I realised the stapelia was in flower, and that was the dead meat I was yeah. smelling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, dear. We had a lovely thing happen in um, our garden. We just discovered uh, uh, years ago, years ago, we, I planted a Eucharist Amazonica, which is a, an indoor plant, very highly tropical. Uh, and it's and it's persisted in a thicket of cordyline um, cordylines, and you know doing a bit of cleaning out. Uh, I've looked down and I've seen this little white flower in the middle of all these cordylines. Mm. It's been there for twenty years, sight <laughs> 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 unseen, um, and, until quite recently. And Eucharist, it's um, it's a, such a beautiful. It's like a uh, 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 a daffodil, but white. Okay. It has oh. similar sort of structure oh, to a yes, daffodil. Yes, it's right. a gorgeous thing. Gorgeous thing. Mm. And they just turned up. Yeah, yeah. there you go. There you it's go. always wow. when you're ignoring things yeah, that yeah. they happen, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's funny you talk about having those hamanthus for sale because yes. I um, mm. the other day I saw someone posted a picture of a hamanthus flower on Instagram and I went, oh, <laughs> and I ran out and yeah. I pulled the pot yeah. that was sitting on top of the pot because oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'd stacked some things up and there's this tiny little blood lily trying to push its way up. Through the bottom of another plastic pot. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> Sorry, oh. mate. <laughs> Oh, dear. Oh, we're all human, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. You are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. Um, In the studio this morning, we have Millie Ross, researcher from ABC Gardening Australia, John Arnott, who's manager of horticulture down at Cranbourne Botanic Gardens, and Lucille Strachan from the Growing Friends of uh, the Royal Botanic Gardens, Melbourne. So do give us a call. We're running through until 9.15, our usual time slot. So that number is 9.15. 419-0155-9419-0155. I've been asked to give out the details again of the um, autumn plant sale uh, being conducted by the Australian Plant Society Mornington Peninsula Group. Now, this is taking place next Saturday, April the 29th, 10am through to 3.30pm. It's at Sea Winds, and Sea Winds is at the um, Arthur's Seat State Park, Perves Road in Arthur's Seat. The Melways reference there is 159E12. So Melways 159E12. There's no entrance fee for that one. Lots of Australian native plants for sale there uh, down at that one. And we do still have um, one double pass left. This is for Hillside Garden. And uh, Hillside Garden is uh, up at uh, Sebastopol. Now, we do have one free double pass left for next weekend, either Saturday or Sunday, if you'd like to uh, to go to that one. The address of it is 21 Picton Street in Sebastopol. It's open 10 to 4.30 on both days, next Saturday and Sunday. Um, if you'd like to give Jan a call on 94190155, and that free double pass will be posted out to you. All right. Um, you've got, yes, you're two of Millie. I was. I <laughs> oh, you've got it yourself. Oh, Pam, you're the best. Snap. 
because I completely forget and I was just sitting here and I saw it poking at the bottom of my no, mind. No, oh, no. that's right. Talk about that. Look, I'm terrible at doing this, but I am hopefully heading to West hopefully I go there and I'm never committing to anything. <laughs> it's my life. You but better I'm make a bit of a commitment. A, I better make a commitment. Mum's yep. expecting me. Um, so <laughs> September, we've been talking about wildflowers and all of those things. I, 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 people who've listened before probably know that I was born and bred in WA. So yep. I grew up, um, I was born in Fremantle. Um, yes, they won the footy last night. Um, <laughs> but it was quite good, last kick. Um, but, it, you know, I, I grew up in, in WA and as much as I spent a lot of time camping in the bush, I've never seen the wildflowers as a grown-up gardener. So right. this this September, end of September, I'm leading a tour for a couple of weeks in WA and um, we'll travel everywhere from Perth up to sort of Geraldton area around Mulawa and then down south also to look at some of those trees that will change your life down right. Pemberton Way and, Wonderful. Um, and the south. So, yeah, I just want to mention it. I'd love to have some 3CR listeners with me um, stirring up the busload. And, um, <laughs> look, I, I'm completely – I am completely excited about it. You probably meet my sister who's in Perth. You probably meet my big brother who's a gardener in Margaret River and then we'll take mum out for lunch. So <laughs> it will be um, – It'll uh, be a family affair. It will be a little bit of a family affair. I'll pop them on the bus where I get a chance. But, uh, I mean, my big brother is actually – he's a gardener and um, and he lives south of Margaret River there. So, you know, he, he knows that place like the back of, back of your hands. He'll, he'll give you directions like sometimes he'll, he'll give me a car and go, now go down this dirt track and you'll go past a tree – with a thing, and you know, you and you and go left down that track, and then that's the best beach you've ever seen in your life. And right, he's right, fantastic. you know, he knows. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, look, I mean, it was such a big year last year. I'm hoping the seed is set, yeah. really, for another great year of wildflowers. And you know, we talk about Australia being this amazing biodiverse place, but the southwest of WA is yep. mega diverse. This is this is this is why Australia is this unique place isn't yeah. it so many yeah. of those plants in our cultivation yeah it's it's recognized globally as a a, a center for biodiversity. it's a biodiversity hotspot mm. um you know it, akin to the cape of um uh south africa mm. in terms of you know floristic diversity and it's mm. it's and, and you know i don't i don't know a lot about the western australian flora I don't know a lot about Western Australia, really. Do you want to come? Oh, I'd, I'd love you to come. <laughs> <laughs> What's the date? <laughs> uh, but it's, uh, I know, do I get a plus one? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm bringing John Arnott. <laughs> Who doesn't know anything about the Western Australian flora, but, but keen to learn. Do you know what this is the thing about discovery as well? Like mm. I know... Mm. I know a little bit about a lot of plants and I know a lot about gardeners. I guess that's my thing is that I I get people really, Mm. really easily and I can understand perhaps what it is they want or what it is they want to know or, you know, in retail context, and you're probably the same talking to people in the gardens, you you recognise they want the answer to this question but you recognise if you can help them ask these two or three questions, i.e. talking about the caterpillars, yep. what butterfly is it, yep. then they get so much more out of it. Sure. So I hope mm. that, you know, whilst I haven't been to um, a lot of these places, I've been to a lot of these places, but not since I was six or seven years old, yes. you know, where Dad mm. and I would have been travelling up the coast to do fishing duties and yep. I'd always go with him, yep. you know, because <laughs> I loved it. But, but to um, botanise in that bush would be fantastic. To botanise would be absolutely, Ooh, be absolutely outrageous. And, you know, we'll visit, of course, Kings Park, um, and some of the projects that are going on there, as Wonderful. well as some more traditional gardens. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, for me, I'm very excited. I'm hoping to see a Leshenaltia, the wreath flower, which grows in that sort of fantastic little outward direction. And, Beautiful. Uh, you know, gorgeous little ring of, of, you know, flowers that you, you, couldn't, you couldn't describe them really. No. 
you can only look at them. And, um, yeah, just I'm very excited. So if people want to get more information and look at This Is Terrible, I probably won't even find the phone number. But Travel Right is the company. um, They're a Melbourne company, just a family family business, Travel Right. And um, you can ring uh, the phone number is 8803-6868. There is a toll-free number, which is 1-800-630-343. Or, of course, you can hit on the interwebs. And, um, yeah, just just going to be so much fun. I got um, – I wonder if we're going to Shark Bay. I need to check because I, I did get squirted by every squid caught on the jetty. <laughs> every time – so I just have this memory of Shark Bay of being the little kid on the pier and every time someone wheeled in a – a squid. I'd run over to see them, and they'd wheel it up, and it'd just ink. <laughs> I just was covered in ink. And now I have a dog called Squid. <laughs> so, but uh, look, it, I'm hoping it'll just be, you know, for florifically fun, but also Ooh, yeah. lots of good wine and chats and yeah. conversations about what makes the world go round. Oh, really, and we know that plants are it. So yeah. please do join me if you've got a couple of weeks to spare at the end of September. We should actually give out the the dates, Millie. Uh, it September twenty fourth to the sixth of October. Sixth of October. But yes. yes. Okay. Starts and finishes. Well, it finishes sort of in Margaret River, but um, starts and finishes in Perth. Yep. And um, yes, finishes with a with a lunch at a, a fantastic biodynamic vineyard actually in Margaret River, which is I think um, is uh, I'll I'll be sneaking off to have a look at the operations, and you're welcome to sneak off with me to have a look at how they actually manage those vines. It'd be really interesting. Fantastic. Yeah. Yep. Brilliant. Fantastic. Sounds awesome. Lucille, um, let's get back to the Friends plant sale for yes, a little while. Ma'am. Firstly, we didn't give out the um, the address, the website, John, that you looked up. Uh, if people if want to go and have a look sure. at the yes. full listing of what's going to be available next weekend, I'll just I'll just find it again. Won't okay, be, won't be sick. And and the other thing, Lucille. Mm. Um, is it cash only or can you take credit cards? You certainly can take credit cards. Uh, cash is very welcome too, but there will be facilities for credit cards. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Because um, a few years ago you didn't have that facility, did you? Oh, we've been you've been, been having it for quite a while now. So okay. So you've moved problem. with the times. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so the website's RBG Friends Melbourne, all one word, rbgfriendsmelbourne.org. Org, right, uh, and then there's a link to um, the sale and the sale catalogue. What yep, time do the gates open? Right. Is it is it ten sort of pushed at the gate? Four, ten, ten till four on on the Saturday and ten until three on the Sunday. And I know for a fact there's no early purchases because I've been in no. that nursery a couple of days before <laughs> this is happening. Before I'm trying to get. <laughs> well, well, for instance, the month of of the plant sale, uh, we don't have a a mini sale at the beginning of that month. Ah. So there hasn't been a, a mini sale at the beginning of April. Uh, so, yes, the nursery is looking very full at the moment. Fantastic. So loads of choice for everybody yep. And next the gardens weekend. are just looking amazing this time of year. This oh, is, if you want to look at time. some autumn colours, yes. just really starting to turn. And, yes. You know, just a fantastic time to... to it is enjoy Melbourne. Just lovely. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Indeed. How long have the growing friends been going? It must be uh, it's, over twenty years. Oh, well and truly. Well and truly. Yes, it's twenty nine years. Twenty nine years. Yes. Right. <laughs> okay. Twenty nine years. So it's the thirtieth next year. Big thirtieth yes. next year. Yeah. Wow. That's okay. fantastic. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Let's go to a few more callers and uh, let me see. First up, we might go to um, Elizabeth, who's in Blairgowrie. Good morning, Elizabeth. Oh. No, we seem to have... Ring back, Elizabeth, because we know what your subject is and I want to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Give us a call back, Elizabeth. Got our cheat sheet. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, next we'll go to Rosemary, who's in Alfington. Good morning, Rosemary. Good morning, panel. Good morning, Lucille. Good morning. 
My question is about the five-wheel tree. Can can that thrive in an open position, but does not get uh, much sun for four to five months of the year? Much sun or no sun? Uh, little sun. As we mentioned earlier, lots of these rainforest trees will um, sit as seedlings uh, in very, very low light conditions. Um, what, what, so the answer is yes, uh, but it won't grow very quickly. Mm. Um, in fact, it possi- or, possibly won't grow at all. Or perhaps flower or particularly perhaps well. Or perhaps flower, yeah. 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 So it'll certainly survive those conditions, but, but not thrive and grow quickly. Um, uh, it, it, it'll tick over. Well, um, it does get a lot of sun for the remainder part of the year. Oh, I see. Okay, so so this is in the middle of winter. It gets low light, and during summer, it gets a lot more light. That's right. Uh, no, that would be fine. Completely, completely fine. No, no problems at all. Sort in of fact, that sounds resting almost, anyway in winter. Yeah, that sounds no problems at all. No hesitation in. Thank um, you so much. Suggesting a firewall tree for that aspect. Okay. Thank you. Such Bye. a great tree. I, I know I've talked about it before and the, the planting has changed now, but just opposite the baths at the top of Swanston Street years ago, they did the council did a planting of Stenocarpus, which is still there, which is the firewheel tree, and yeah. underplanted it with a Carax grass. Oh, you're nice. And it just, I just, because the wind whips up, you know, that mm. wind just comes flying off the bay mm. straight up Swanston Street. Yes. It was mm. the most mobile and it would, <laughs> I used to love when I'd leave 3CR in the middle of winter and it'd just be blowing around at the yeah. Stenocarpus, yeah. they're big, tall, whippy things, mm. you know. Yeah. I thought that is such a dynamic planting and I, I doubt that probably it was done with that in mind. No, but but it had so much yeah, going on, yeah, yeah. you know, for a couple yeah. of trees and some grasses, it was fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> now, I should point out to... That was Rosemary, who's one of our growing friends and who looks after the camellias for us. Oh, right. Oh, fantastic. A very knowledgeable lady okay. when it comes to the camellias, and she has a lovely selection for the sale available too. Of, no doubt. Of camellias. Of camellias, Lovely, yes. From lovely. That fantastic collection of species and all sorts of things in the garden. Yes, yeah? exactly. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Mm. Camellias are such great garden plants, aren't they? Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful garden plants. Yeah. Yep. R- robust, flowering Tough, evergreen, yes. evergreen, yes, all of those beautiful, <laughs> just form and foliage, and then you get yes. this little yes. pop, well, little pop of colour. You get this extraordinary pop of colour yes. in the flower. You certainly so, can. I'm a bit outraged. Some of them are a bit <laughs> silly, really. <laughs> Keep it down. <laughs> okay. Well, next we'll go to uh, Sarah, who's in Dallas. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning, Christian, and uh, traditional owner of the Australian land. Uh, I my neighbor has a tree, uh, th- three trees, and uh, the birds eat all the fruit on the tree. Mm. It's pretty common, Sarah. I think um, mm. yes. they it- attack the trees like. Uh, like armies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they can come in overnight and yeah. next morning it's all gone. Yeah. Do, you, do you know, I think, uh, I think... I just want to say uh, uh, something very important. I don't know how uh, many people noticed that um, the herbs like mint and uh, basil and uh, few, a few uh, variety of herbs being wrapped by a plastic paper like you wrap the flower paper uh, mm. flower, a uh, bunch of flowers uh-huh. yeah. uh, those herbs 
is very, very um, synthetic. They smell like uh, very natural and they look good. But uh, when you bring home and you put in the fridge, they become after one week, they become black. Uh, why they become black? Because uh, the chemical being solved from the, uh, the herbs and uh, they can't handle to be alive anymore. They become really black and I have to throw it in the rubbish. Oh, you're talking about purchasing herbs that are in the in little yeah. plastic I, yeah, sleeves. I think oh, sleeves, yeah. all you need to or do cellophane. is um, mm. even yeah. you can see it with the way they grow things. It's not even necessarily chemicals that have been sprayed on them. No. It's the way they're grown. So they're grown very quickly. Yeah. And mm. I, I see it. I bought an organic lettuce down at the market in late summer down at the farmer's market and I forgot it was there. And two weeks later I pulled it out of the fridge and it was still completely Fine. perfect yep. because it had been field grown you know it would have taken its normal amount of time to to grow yep. and it and it was it was grown in the soil so it's full of minerals so sure. the cell structure is right there sure. uh, i i want uh, investigation about uh, these uh, uh, vegetable and fruits uh, all these herbs i want investigation it is very expensive uh, to buy from certified organic shop, and mm. you still won't get any, or, um, not much organic. Only uh, you get a few, but uh, the most, uh, if the rest is not not organic. Not even the bread. The bread, eight dollars. Sometimes you buy or seven dollars. Mm. I think they are talking about tightening the regulations a little bit, Sarah, because people can call something organic, but if it doesn't have the certification on it, mm. then it's not certified organic. But um, no, the the shop is certified organic, but they have no organic at the shop. Oh, that it, that to me, yeah, I, I don't know how to answer that. I would odd, say yeah. they the shop the shop can't be organic. It would be an organic shop that they stock organic things. They purchase products from people who are certified. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think they they are. I just read in the news this week they're going to try and tighten the, the laws because they know that there's a lot of people making um, money for on products that aren't necessarily mm. certified organic. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's, some of the, the greatest chemicals in the history. Organic, are but organic. the, the yeah. stuff is not organic, not organic at all. It is worse than sometimes than the ordinary shop because. Those the herbal uh, 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 the herbal uh, bunch of herbs like mint and uh, uh, basil and uh, thyme, uh, they are uh, being uh, grown under synthetic under lights, special lights. Uh, I don't know. How, mm. Yeah, uh, and they are full of chemical, artificial. Well, you uh, have the right to not purchase them, Sarah. Yep. Yeah, don't spend your money there. Grow yeah, them instead, Sarah. Or go to a farmer's market and talk to the yeah. actual producers before you buy. Okay? Uh, Fine. Good luck. I think the point you were making, Millie, about um, the, your lettuce is a, a really interesting one. That was really resonating with me because you, you, the, the field-grown, resilient, good cell structure, a plant. I think the yes. minerals that are contained yes. in soil. Yep. Yeah. That I mean, you can grow. I love. I quite like a hydroponic lettuce. Yeah, I love. You sure. know, they're delicious. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. but they are a really different character yeah. to yeah. something totally. that you mm. grow in soil yep. that has has that. You know, I think there's fibre in lettuce. Yeah. Not if you get a hydroponic one or one that's grown with the could still be organic. Could yeah, yeah. still be using certified mm. organic yep. inputs. Mm. Yep. 
Um, you know, liquid liquid fertilizers that are certified organic. Yeah. There are all sorts of fertilizers that are organic, but there's a different. It's a different mm. game when you're growing in the ground. Oh, absolutely, and and you know we've. We grew some basil, like heaps of basil. Had oh, basil just yes. coming out of our ears at one point. Mine's done really well this year. And the shelf life of the, the shelf life of, the, of our cut basil mm. compared to the yes the, yeah. the, the basil that you can purchase. Yes, there was a there was a complete yeah. difference. Yeah, I think, oh, our, totally. pre- yeah. I think oh. our previous caller really should give it a go, as you suggested. Yeah, grow some of her own herbs because I think she'll find them a lot better. Yeah, and I I, I know what she's and saying she about that, fresh. that going black, but I think yes. that's a symptom of the growing system, yeah, and I don't yeah. think yes, it's necessarily well right. chemicals no. on it or no, 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 no it's no. just no. soft. Sappy growth. Yep. Exactly. As soon as it's picked, and it just it just starts to biodegrade because you know the the cell structure, the, all of the all it's of those minerals there. that, that mm. need to be there. But it's probably got to that height in you know, ten days or two weeks yes. Yes. compared yes. to two or f- a month or six yes. weeks. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. and sunlight and yeah, hard pushed. hard work and yeah, yes. yep. they really pushed along. Yeah. Yes. yes, so and you know a fast. We know that in the garden, a fast growing plant, a fast growing plant is often quite short lived. Yes. yes, exactly and I think, right. I think exactly. that probably um, you know yep. plays itself out yeah. with the the store mm. storability. Sure. Talk about organic though, Pam. I should show you. I have held this up, but I have to. I have to do this. <laughs> if people want to see this because it's worth looking at. You got to get on my Instagram or my Facebook, right, Millie Ross. Facebook. Facebooky thing. I'm learning how to do that, but Instagram. But you know, <laughs> the extraordinary, the extraordinary things that can happen in your backyard after you've been gardening for decades. Wow. That you pick up. Yes, that's very impressive. A <laughs> handful of seed in an unmarked bag, pretty much like a bag. I, pick, okay. I bought a packet of blue corn seed at a market in Margaret River about three years ago, and right. moved to a new garden this year. Thought I need to. The backyard is completely barren. Mm-hmm. I thought I want to have a little bit of shelter. I want a bit of privacy. Mm-hmm. All that sort of stuff. So I thought I'll. I'll grow corn and I remembered I had this packet of corn seed so I planted this corn seed it was blue the seed was blue and um, I've just had the most remarkable result. So it's stunning. So yeah, it is. I've had these these plants. Uh, they grew to be. They got completely blown down in the storm a couple of weeks ago. They just sort of oh, fell over. Yeah, they um, would. But yes. they were they were touching three <laughs> meters high. Really? Oh wow! So really, really robust, big yeah. thing with a gorgeous big pink tassel on it. The, the male mm. flower and this incredible. Um, you know, that would be thirty centimeters long. I oh, would and say some, quite yes. narrow. And um, some um, cob yeah. of blue corn. Now I've been doing research because, of course, I have no idea what variety it is and there's lots of different corns that are used traditionally for lots of different things so flower corns Mm. um, popping corn although I think you might be able to pop lots of corn and I'll have a go at this Um, (laughs) sweet corn so I I tried to eat this off the cob but it has a really hard flint in the center of the the Mm. cob so maybe it's flint corn so I'll have to but and then I was reading um, last night someone had suggested that I might need to nixtamalize it Woo. Woo. <laughs> Which I think is like a traditional way that it was prepared uh, where you actually boil it in some lime water to remove some of the toxins. And it just, right. you wow. know. What's you, the term? Nixtamalization. So N I X T. I've never I've heard read of about it, it no, a long no, time ago. No, well, no. I haven't been to Mexico yet, but I'm keen to go. Okay. So I'm, I'm, you know, and. And I, I subscribe. I've got my Baker. I should have brought it down. The Baker Creek um, seed catalogue. If no one's had a look at their seeds in America, they're just amazing. They've travelled the world, and right. I got my catalogue, which costs about thirty dollars to get it delivered to mm-hmm. Australia. But if you're a if you're a bit of a seed nerd, um, it's some <laughs> very happy do. reading. Yeah, yeah. And they've got they've probably got thirty different varieties of traditional mm-hmm. corns. You, do you should, want to have a look at that. You should That's show this to Simon Rickard. Oh, Simon's, Simon's seen it. He's We've had a good it. look. Okay. <laughs> so but, does he uh, have any, any suggestions? Oh, we haven't discussed the variety, but we have okay. we have paced around the plant with a 
beer in our hands. Yes, right. Um, but uh, yes, no, I will. I will. And I, I there's one variety that's in the Baker Creek catalogue that I think it might be close to. But how do you know? I mean, mm. that's right. We eat sweet corn. There's what? There's two or three different perhaps hybrids that we grow from seedling that are in our nurseries. Then there's maybe what. You'd be lucky if there was half a dozen corns yeah. in Australia yep. that are offered on the on the market. And, and you don't you don't probably remember where you picked up the seed, so it could no, I do know. From, oh, do you? I do. I do. Oh yeah, I got it from Market in Margaret River. I, oh, okay. I remember where every plant in my life yeah, came from. <laughs> <laughs> but if, but it's, um, if it's a market, wonderful. it could be oh, someone oh, who's a, a home seed saver. So yeah, that's what I was going to say. Handwritten um, packet of seed. Yes, exactly. And, um, but you know, I watched it and watched wow. it, and I saw yeah. these long cobs forming, and I, you know, Fendi. resisting <laughs> even peaking, and then finally I just had to. I actually picked one quite early. Essentially, I think you're meant to let them dry off on the on the plant. Plant. Yes, but um, because they'd blown over, I, I cut them and and. But what I'm hoping to do is save a lot of seed, and I wouldn't mind planting a big maze of it next year. I was going no. to say that because <laughs> it is a yeah, it's, an it's such a big, robust plant. And oh. um, yeah, as I said, the thrifty gardener on Instagram, I've got some pictures up there, or if you have a look on Facebook, um, and actually we shared it on the Gardening Australia Facebook when I picked the young ones, which were quite blue, and people went mm. absolutely bedonkers. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, look, it, it does it does remind you that there. Are are quite a few plants within the country that you'd have trouble getting. You probably couldn't bring in any new corn varieties, mm. I think, now that, that the quarantine is so yes, strict. Right. And they're an important, you know, when they're related to important food crops mm. yep. um, that, you know, are and there are diseases worldwide. Sure. Hard to get them. But seed saver networks um, and just small seed saving companies. I, I met a, a lady who was actually selling little blue popping corn so they produce oh, right. a, a cob about sort of six inches long and it's a it's a little mini blue um popping corn and i got some seeds so there are seeds in the country you know yep. already it's about finding those networks that's right yeah. Yeah. but the, you were going to make a point about this maybe six eight corns which are commonly cultivated and grown but the amount of diversity in corn is there's oh. hundreds of varieties. Oh, One of the yes. world's most important plants, yep. absolutely. And, and you know, I, I'm reading about the variety that I think this might be, um, the description in the, in the catalogue was that it's used to make this really traditional thing. And so then I looked the traditional thing up and it's like a corn drink almost that's mm. quite, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but, I, you know, it's like a two-week two, two week process for me sure. to nixtamalize it. But, you know, I peeled <laughs> onion nuts yesterday, so there's no worries. I'll do it. But, um, you know, the, the diversity of, you know, not mm. only the wild plants, but yeah. the plants that have come from those wild plants. Yep. That's right. Over... Yep. Thousands and thousands. I mean, this is what I think about Australian plants. Mm. I wonder how many of the yam daisies were actually selected, mm. you know, and relocated. That's a really good variety and yep. replanted and, mm. and, you know, oh, almost no doubt. Almost inevitably. Inevitably yeah. happened yeah. in this country too. Yes. And, yep. you know, I mean, that's exciting to learn about as well. But, yep. yeah, look, it, it just – I hold this and I go – I, you know, I'm like a kid when I hold this, and when I've got, I've got ten of them, wow. <laughs> and I just think, you, you just, you know, that basket for me sums up why it's so great to still be a gardener. That, you know, after being a veggie gardener for over twenty years, that I can put a packet of random seed in the ground, not yep. expecting anything. I thought yes. I'd just get foliage, yep. Yep. might get a couple of cobs, but for me, it was just I can utilize that pack of seed to do a job in my garden yes. in, in this short time, and and then that's the reward you oh, get. And I just think it's so much fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. And organic, I promise. Yes. <laughs> we must go to uh, Jill in East Malvern. Morning, Jill. Good morning, Pam, Millie, and other friends. Um, I just have an answer for the lady who said her herbs go black in the fridge. 
Um, I bought those herbs, a flat, it was a curly parsley and a basil, I think it was two for five dollars. Mm. And uh, I, instead of putting them in the fridge, because they had roots on, I planted them into six inch glazed pots nice. and have them on the back step. And of course, they last for ages. In fact, the curly parsley uh, went into the uh, tuna uh, fish cakes for uh, <laughs> Good Friday. Yum. And, of course, the basil's always there to add to anything with tomato. Mm. And much nicer than leaving it in the fridge. And, of course, the leaves are then spicy and tasty because they're out there in the sun. Yes, yes. exactly. And in the soil. Anyway, the, my question is, I've got four salt bushes and I've had them in uh, sort of six-inch pots uh, for ages because I I do talks to garden clubs, okay. you know, and I take unusual herbs yep. or uh, edible indigenous plants. But now it's time to go into the garden. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe I've got too much shade in my garden, but uh, do they need full sun? Ideally. Yeah. Ideally for them to uh, to really thrive and to be full of... What you, what you want with the salt bush is, is that sappy new growth. Um, that's that's to, to use it as a so it's the atroplex numularia. Yes, yeah. yeah. Numularia. It sounds like a edible yes. There's word, the it? old man yeah. salt bush, and then there's the ruby salt and bush, the, and it actually had the little tiny berries yeah. on it, which was exciting. Yeah, gorgeous, lovely, plant. lovely. Plant. Three berries, but you know, I can share Millie's delight. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's amazing, actually. I planted I planted some tubes of 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 that. It's Angelina tomentosa, isn't it? Yeah, the yeah. ruby salt bush. Um, at um, in January, and it's already there's about five months. They're already producing fruit. You know, you think, oh, that's such an extraordinarily quick, um, very quick productive plant, plant in yeah. the right spot. Yeah, but I think the right spot is a fair bit of light. Yes. Well, mm. I think I'm going to put them on the western step. <laughs> yeah, that yes. that would that would suit west facing. It'd be good. Yeah. Salt okay. bushes is it's one of the games we play in the Gardening Australia office when all the plant nerds is what's your favourite salt bush? <laughs> you could tell you know, there's so many different varieties and so mm. many fantastic uses for them, aren't there? Mm. Yeah. I planted um, I planted uh, hundred dollars of indigenous edibles um, at my school, South Oakley Secondary College. Oh, fabulous. Uh, because foods this year has a subsistence food section and in, and indicated indigenous plants. Wonderful. Fantastic. So that's something that, you know, perhaps could um, could be done in lots of schools. Can you yeah. can you recall the species, some of the varieties that you grew of the native yes, herbs? Yes, I put in um, Bacchausia anisata. Lovely. And uh, the smaller lily pilly because they didn't want the massive one. Right. And I put in... Um, Warrigal greens, of course, Terrific. quite a few of those, and carpobrotus. Nice. And the small mesembryanthemum. Mm-hmm. And would you believe the um, Mensa australis, which I thought would be vulnerable, was, did really, really well. <laughs> There's no because, such thing as a vulnerable <laughs> Mensa. <laughs> well, you know, because it, I planted it in October. Right. Mm. And I was thinking of January, you know, when there's no one there. Yeah, they do like water. So I planted um, everything so that it got about three hours of northerly sun and um, eastern sun, Mm. but not western sun. 
you know, in the idea of keeping it from dying. There's a nice little and local parsley too. And then a parent was too, coming yeah. in yeah. once a week to do watering. So That's right. that was fantastic. Oh, that's wonderful, Excellent. Jill. Good on you, Jill. Anyway. All the best. Okay. So good luck with your salt bush. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye. It'll probably be fine. It'll be fine, yeah. <laughs> it'll be fine. <laughs> It'd prefer this, but it'll, yeah, be, it'll fine. be fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. Okay. Um, Elizabeth, who rang earlier and uh, couldn't stay on the line, was wanting to ring in to tell us a little bit about the swallowtail butterflies after you mentioned them, mm. Millie. Mm. And um, she suggested that if it starts to get too cold, what you can do is pick a sprig of the citrus with the caterpillar on it you can keep it in a vase inside. It will spin the chrysal- its chrysalis, and you can keep it like that for months. Oh. Um, all you need to do is cover the water so the caterpillar doesn't drop into it. A little gravel, <laughs> yeah. gravel in the vase, and yep. yeah. yeah, great idea. Great yes, idea. I know Sophie Thompson does it with. Um, they bring lots of their monarch butterflies into right. the house. Oh yes. and they, they they have a little little sort of terrarium that they've often got butterflies yeah, uh, doing their thing. And, and I guess the advantage of cutting sprigs of citrus um, is that if your your little plant hasn't got a lot of leaves, so you can just transfer the, the caterpillars onto some sprigs of... Some other citrus. Some other, other citrus. Yes, that's true. Oh, just, yeah. Just transfer them. Yes. I know, I know the butterfly house. I mean, this is the thing. Citrus are great food plants for butterflies, for, for, aren't they? Oh, yes. For, <laughs> yes. swallowtail butterflies. Yes. And it's interesting, you called it the dainty swallowtail... Um, when I was around in the butterfly house, it wasn't called the dainty swallowtail. What was it called? It's had a name change. It was called the dingy swallowtail. (laughs) (laughs) So it's gone from dingy to dainty. Yeah. Why was it called the dingy swallowtail? I don't know what it was called, but it was called the dingy swallowtail butterfly. That is funny. Poor little thing. That's actually when I, my story um, went to air with, on Gardening Australia, where I planted a seat using dichondra. Right. And a a viewer actually wrote in, when I loved it, I loved it. You know, it's so great you're promoting this plant. Such a great plant. But can we try and not call it kidney weed anymore? Because people, if you call it kidney, Kidney weed, people have, have this connotation. response. Right. Said, Why can't we call it kidney leaf or something? Yeah. You know, or so. the kidney plant or, yeah. or something. Yeah, because yeah, it's this fantastic, really useful, grow yeah. it anywhere, yes. find it anywhere in the Absolutely. bush or on the coast or, yeah. you know, any part of Australia. It's yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Um, and uh, I thought that's quite a, a relevant point to make. Yeah. I have mm. noticed that the red meat radish is now known as the watermelon radish. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So oh. some, it's the Chinese red the, meat. Come the, on, it's been that forever. <laughs> there's some what, gentrification of names. Yeah, yeah. gentrification of yeah. the names. Oh, dear me. So our, din- our dingy swallowtail is now a dainty swallowtail. That's good there information. Go. Thank you, John. It is, it, is, it, is the, it is the same thing. <laughs> That's wonderful. It's a gorgeous butterfly. I mean, it's one of the few persistent um, swallowtails that you'll find in Victoria. Yes. Really, really pretty. Yes. Really Black pretty. It's not dingy yeah. in, at, at all. Yeah, why, I don't know. It was dingy in comparison to something else, maybe. If you're yeah. an FNQ, if, yeah, yeah. looking at Dingy a, compared to a, yeah. a, a, a blue... Papillon. You know, whatever. Ulysses butterfly. Yeah. You know? <laughs> 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 dingy being a relative term. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it um, Rhonda in Bayswater has phoned in on the outside line. She's got seven-foot scarlet runner beans, flowers, but no beans. Me too. <laughs> there you go. So How interestingly, come? well, you know, and this is something I've known for, for 20 years, that scarlet runners are a cool climate bean. Mm-hmm. So you they mentioned are. Simon Ricard before. So yeah. Simon, that, that's his yeah, main I've bean. I've been growing them at home too. Yeah. They yeah. grow brilliantly in Tassie. Yeah. just yeah. So I thought okay. moving to a cooler climate that I'd do really well, but I think yeah. the reflected heat, because my vegetable garden is on a driveway on the north, ah, So and then it's against yes. that. So I actually get quite a bit of heat there, and I've had terrible 
I'm going to save some seed from these plants. Yes. And I'll sow them again next year and see how I go. But they are called the seven year bean. Yeah, essentially the, the scarlet runner. Bean. Yep. Well, they'll come up again. Really? Yeah. Yep. But they are they are a cool climate bean. They'll set best, and all beans will set best in that milder weather. So they, mm. they tend to come on in autumn or late summer as yes. opposed to the yep. belting summer. Mm. Most bean varieties um, will just pollinate much more, more easily. And because they, I think they pollinate actually before they open or as they open. So it's not an, an insect relationship or anything. It's just about ripeness of flower okay. and, and climatic conditions. But, yeah, I would suggest... Bayswater, you you might find you're not ever going to be cold enough there, Rhonda, for for um for scarlet runners to do very well. So, mm. I did manage mm. to grow them in in Eltham, but then I I get frosts in yeah, and I used time. to grow them really mm. well in Alfington too. They're a, yeah. a good variety for yep. me. But I mean, I guess it just speaks always to the. I would try something. Not necessarily two years in a row, but it's always worth revisiting something. You know, I know years ago I tried the Jean Flamet, um, the tomato variety, which is sort of the size of a golf ball because one of the people we'd interviewed on Gardening Australia said it was the best variety. really didn't do much for me. But yes. now mm. I've moved to this cold climate. It has been a fantastic, mm. you know, just produced, I, I reckon, a hundred, you know, mm. Tomatoes, so yeah, it's worth perfect. revisiting things every, it is. It every is. few Definitely. years, trying again. But look, if you learn your lesson three times, you probably say that's not the variety. <laughs> <for me." laughs> yeah. what, what's the seventy-year reference? Uh, well, because they they will you can you can treat them as a perennial bean, basically. Really? Mm. Yes, right, they so will they will re come up. Um, supposedly from rootstock. Mm. Yes. Mm. Right. So supposedly you'll get roughly seven years out of them. Right. Yeah. Okay. Without so they, replanting. So persistent rootstock. Yes, I think a lot yeah. of the bean varieties, okay. other than um, just your 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 fasciolus. Um, now, what is the species of edible bean? It'll it'll fall into my head in a minute. But a, a lot of those other species. Yeah. So I, mm. I found the same thing with lima beans, right. which are a tropical bean essentially. Right. But mm. I I grew the Christmas. Lemur or the Madagascar lemur again. It's having a little bit of a Christmas lemur. It's been uh, it's been categorised in a much more promotable way. Um, but I had that perennialised. I'd get about say seventy percent of my plants would actually persist, which then meant that I got because it's a dried bean. Okay. Growing it for a dried bean only, then I got a spring crop and an autumn crop. Right. If you right. if you grow yeah. them as an annual, you only get that autumn mm. crop. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. Definitely worth mucking around with some of, oh, some of those is. different varieties and. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, I would say it's probably just a bit too warm, Rhonda, and I haven't found them particularly good performers this season, but maybe other people have. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Okay. okay. Very quickly, we have uh, Virginia online. Good morning, Virginia. Hello. I'm wandering around my garden in my dressing gown. Oh, <laughs> Pulling out weeds. Okay. <laughs> good girl. <laughs> and it's the most beautiful morning. Yeah. It, it is indeed. Now, now did you go to yes? Did you go to Shirley Khan's garden? I went to Shirley Khan's garden. Right. I took a friend who was just ecstatic. She said, "This is the best Australian native garden I've ever seen." Yes. Oh. I bumped into Sue. I bumped into AB. I bumped into Chloe. Right. So three CRs already been well represented there. Okay. <laughs> but it was just divine. Excellent. It's a, she, I've been to her old garden, which is around the corner. She's mm. only been there three years. How she can have done that in three years, I just do not know. Mm. It was just blinding. So I just wanted to encourage people to go because it's really worth it. Fantastic. And of, and, of course, I went to Tesla's and heard Stephen speaking there. Right. <laughs> which was um, fun. And Tesla's is always, for anybody who wants to buy a plant, it's the place to go this weekend. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
Because there's all the, you know, all the unusual people are there. Yes, sometimes but you do Sh- just wake Shirley's, up wanting to buy a Shirley's plant. Shirley's garden is wonderful. Fantastic. Oh. So I'll just repeat the details. That's at 5 David Street in Monbolk. It's open 10am this morning, running through until 4.30 this afternoon. Entry is $8. Children under 18 are free. And students' entry is $5. So there you go. And there's plant sales there and music in the garden. Yes. Oh, it's, and wow. who needs it? <laughs> the garden was enough. The garden was fabulous. Okay. I tend to be a bit critical of open gardens. It was bloody wonderful. Oh. Excellent. That's really good to hear. <laughs> All right, Valen. Thank okay. you. Okay. See Bye. you, Virginia. Bye. I have a feeling that I visited Shirley's garden in Eltham. Would she have been out that way? Her last garden was in Eltham, yeah? Yes. Yeah, okay. She's, yes. Yes. She's, she's, as I said before, she's. this is her fifth or sixth yes. garden. Yeah. I wonder um, how many ago that was, that one. Yes. Be, yeah, a while ago. Quite a, quite a few years ago. That's but, right. Um, but, yeah, no, she's she's a very, very creative woman. So uh, this fantastic. new garden must be wonderful from the sound of all of that. Uh, We are running through, oh, we've really got very little time left. We've got a few more minutes. Um, You were mentioning about your brochures and and particularly fungi. We haven't really mentioned that that May is traditionally fungi um, foraging time, isn't it? And I've just had a text from the author of the fungi saying whether I'm on for the fungi next week. Okay. Um, Look, it it is, May is, and I, I... Given I've been a bit of a fungi nerd for the last sort of three or four years, it really, they're so dependent on the weather. Yes. Mm. You know, last year it really didn't rain until late it was May. much later. So, um, and I have I went out looking, because I eat, eat pine mushrooms and things too, so I love to go and collect mm. a few. And um, and I, I went out looking last weekend and, and still even after that rain, there wasn't a lot happening. But mm. I did do probably the nerdiest thing I've done in a long time last weekend. <laughs> um, I went and picked up dead logs on the side of the road that had fallen down in the storm and cut mm. them all into equal lengths and stacked them all along the front of my little timber house, but I know, but there's concrete between it and the house because I want to. It's my fungi wall. It's my fungi fence. Ah, um, ah. So, and I already uh, noticed this morning there's a little bit of orange. There's some sort of jelly fungi coming up uh, mm. in the uh, oblique. So yes, I know what species all my logs are, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they are stacked in particular order so I can keep track of it. And you know, I had some old logs that I picked up for woodworking as well. So I, you know, cut some of those up. And um, yeah, look, it is a, a great time for fungi. And and my my fungi mentor is. Um, Alison Puglio. I don't know who yes. attended the fantastic seminar she gave last year, and I think she's giving another one this year in a few weeks. I don't know if it's at the RBG. Not um, sure. But um, Alison is leading workshops throughout Victoria. She's in the Otways this weekend. She was in Trentham last weekend, and I think she's in Woodend this week coming. Oh, last year she okay. did um, a fantastic day, and I'm not sure if she's doing it again at Ard Co- Is it Ard Cholly? Ard Cholly? The garden? Ard Hilly. Hilly. Ard, Ard Hilly. Hilly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just a fantastic – if you can get in onto a tour, there's lots of different people doing them, but if you're into plants mm. and ecology, not mm. just wanting to eat mushrooms, yeah. then Alison's your gal. <laughs> yeah, she's a um, rock star. And, oh, yeah. She, yeah. She's the best. And, you know, I've picked up these – she's done these um, – these some of these uh, little fold-out uh, maps in different regions for different people over the years. Spends half of her life in Switzerland uh, and half of her life here studying mm. fungi mm. and studying people who are interested in fungi and her PhD that she's just finished is actually about the way people relate to it and how we perceive it and how mm. fungi might help us understand na- nature management more widely. I mean, it's just 
jaw-dropping stuff. Yes, it's it very cool. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, look, a fantastic time. And, you know, people get really fixated on themselves, I think. And mm. I, I sort of push back against this a little bit when people say, oh, I'm only going to grow plants that I can eat. And I'm like, well, that's very self-focused, isn't it? You know, you stir them up. I don't say it out loud. But, but you know, for me, um, I do like to collect edible fungi. And I like, I've learnt quite a lot over the last few years going out mm. with Alison over extended periods of time and assisting with some of the workshops. But more than that, it's just extraordinary to see how much activity there is that is all connected to mm. the health of our plants. Mm. I mean, the Absolutely. fact that, that 80 or 90% of the diet of most marsupials and mm. um, all of those little betongs and all those guys right now will be underground fungi yep. known as truffles, yes. you yes. know, mm. and that they are attached to every every root system in the forest. Yep. It, you know, it is extraordinary. It is. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I would suggest if go out and have a walk. And people often freak out about fungi or freak out about things like that turning up in their garden. But <laughs> I, I promise you, 95% yeah. of the time... It's good to have them and they're mm, doing the right absolutely. thing. So Probably more than that. Um, yep. get out, yep. go for a walk. The next couple of weeks are going to be wonderful. The soil's really warm. We've yes. had two yep. really good bits of rain. Yep. I think yes. the next just couple of weeks the, the forest floor will be, just become alive. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, very quickly we'll go to Pauline in Caulfield. Good morning, Pauline. Good morning, everybody. Um, I have a question about um, a Chinese white cedar tree I thought I think that's what it was mm-hmm. uh, we had it for years and I went out one morning and it had fallen over com- completely oh. Oh, and it was about five it was about oh, I suppose about four meters high right. uh, beautiful tree and um, we uh, took it out, uh, chopped it up and took it out and we now have about a two foot um, what looks like a lovely little shrub of of its um, shoots, I think they yeah. are. Yeah, yep. that sounds right. So that's a nice way to use them. I mean, Cedrella, Cedrella, so that fantastic sort of very upright, sometimes multi-stemmed. Sometimes mm. multi-stemmed, yes. Um, it's, yep. it's not a bad way to use them. And, Pauline, interestingly, the foliage of that plant, the new shoots are actually a delicacy. So oh, really? yes, oh, I believe really? that they're um, they're edible in China. I think they eat them quite a lot. So okay. um, yeah, but an interesting plant and gorgeous thing, great mm. foliage. What, what do we do with um, with this? Just, just leave it. Let it, it. Enjoy it. Let it go. Yeah. Let it go. Let it go. Yeah. Will it eventually just die? Uh, you know, once it's lost its power, or no, no, no. no. That's so. What's uh, what I'm guessing, but. Um, it, it it's growing from from its rootstock. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, that's right. So there's lots of lots of reserves already in the soil. Yeah. No, that, mm. it'll be a, a resilient plant, I would think. And I would think it's not a grafted plant too. So it should mm. be yeah. should be just that that plant. And and yeah, multi stemmed. I've seen it's them okay. cut to the ground in gardens to get that to real get that, effect yeah. of yeah. the mul- uh-huh. multiple shoots. Yeah. So I th- it should be fine. And that would keep growing. Uh, yes. Yeah. It might not get quite as tall as mm. as um, because it's multi-stemmed. It might not get quite as tall as mm. what it but, could be if it was a single. St- to have the you know the berries that come and the and the soft flowers. That... I just want to make sure we're talking about the same thing. Does it have pink foliage? Your your plant? Uh, no. No. Okay. Yeah. We might On be talking. On the tree, it yep. had um, quite green foliage. Oh, green foliage, yes, but yeah. it had a, a a sort of soft lavender flower. Uh, I think we're talking about Amelia. Amelia, yes, Amelia. Don't yeah. eat the leaves. Don't eat the leaves. No, no, no. <laughs> no don't <laughs> eat the leaves. <laughs> 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 
Uh, this is the thing with common names. So, so um, the, oh, okay. ch- the Chinese white cedar is the thing called cedrella, and that has beautiful pink foliage. The white cedar um, ah. is Melia azedarac, and that's an Australian native yes. plant, um, right. but, it, but it, 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 is, it does have toxic properties. But lovely timber. But lovely timber. Yeah. <laughs> mm. um, you, I, mm. I think, it, again, it would be grown on its own roots, so you'll yep. probably find it will we'll, we'll sort of grow up and, mm. and become um, a nice little tree. Yep. But, oh, yes, definitely oh, don't eat roots. Okay, we, yes. we need Thank to go. Bye-bye. Bye. We have run out of time again. You've been listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. Uh, a big thank you to the team and also to Jan, who's been handling all the calls. Uh, very quickly, Gate E, off Birdwood Avenue. 10 exactly. 10am uh, on Saturday until uh, 4 and 10 till 3 on the Sunday. And we we'll look forward to seeing everybody there. Absolutely. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. Thank you, Pam. We must go, but we will be back next week at 7.30. Until then, bye for now. 